All right, don't adjust anything. Don't refresh your feeds or anything. It's It's been, I don't know, three weeks, four weeks since Mike and I have had a chance to do a pod. That's all on me, by the way, all my faults. I have been uh, uh, wildly unavailable for many uh, different reasons. But Mike, the way I figured is this. If you make something more rare, people are going to want it more. So I figured this will be our highest rated podcast ever because I imagine there have been people just walking, pacing their kitchens, you know, up and down their streets, just like screaming at their internet providers. Like, where is my Mike Farrell sports show podcast? We got you covered. We're back. We're here. So let's, 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 uh, let's get the ratings. Let's, let's gum up the ratings in this one. Mike. I, I think that's the opposite of the way it's supposed to work. I think you're supposed ah. to do like two or three a week and get Ooh. consistent. I know it sucks, but that's consistency. I don't think anybody's pining away for this, but hmm. you know, and I'm in my car again and I, I, you know, I bitched at you about it, but this, this place I live is a great place. It's a really nice place, but everybody loves it because it's a nice place. It's super expensive. It's a luxury apartments with dogs and blah, 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 pay through the nose for it, you know, but, People apparently love it so much that they want to use the amenities and want to sit in the freaking clubhouse and watch movies or in the office area and watch movies on a Sunday afternoon, which I guess is their prerogative. I can't kick them out because they're paying rent. Uh, but those of us trying to work uh, have no place to go. So here That's I am. Weird, it's such car. a weird phenomenon to me, Mike, to be in my own apartment saying to myself, I really want to watch that movie. Let me go grab it and go on down to the clubhouse and lay on the couch with a space here. That's such a how does one get to that space in their life? I just I don't understand that. Make make that make sense for me. So the, the office area, like when you walk in, there's a table for office work, and that's where I usually do my stuff. And then to the right, there's a couple couches for whatever, you know, discussions or conference calls, whatever. I don't know. You know, so I walk in and I'm all ready and I look and I see a space heater. I'm like, that's odd. And then I see a backpack and I'm like, oh. And I see a, a girl laying on the couch watching a freaking movie on her tablet. And then I just back out. I'm like, I can't, I can't sit where you're supposed to work and talk like this because I'll interrupt her movie. But what the hell is she doing in there? I don't know. Then I come out and then there's a couple laying on the couch as if it's their living room watching the big screen TV in the clubhouse. And I could do it there. But again, you're going to get the background noise of whatever movie they're watching or whatever dumb comments they have to make on it. I think people are just stir crazy because it's winter, but it's nice day. I mean, it's 46 degrees. Um, I just think they want to get the hell out of their houses, but it makes no sense to me. Uh, and it, it's going to be a problem moving forward. So I've decided I did this with Schumann a couple weeks ago. When I can't find a place, I'm just going to get in my freaking car and do it. So, and that's what we're at. And the video today will be will be legendary then. Well, we'll see, we'll see if it, this signal holds out and all that stuff because there's no Wi-Fi and all that. But, but anyways, enough of my bitching. Let's get to Stetson Bennett and his drunkenness and uh, winning the national championship. Um, is anybody surprised by that? Rest. Uh, which part? No, I mean, I think it wasn't he. Didn't he miss the next day? It wasn't after the championship game. There's typically that interview the the star player does on Good Morning America or whatever, and and uh, miss it. Or, he he, he was he was unavailable to to attend. I guess he made it, and he was wasted, and it was legendary. He was on with Strahan, I think uh, Robin Roberts, and if you if you Google the you know Stetson Bennett drunk. It comes up. That's where he's the legend. I love it. I mean, they won the national championship. Kids walk on, you know, uh, Cinderella story, all that stuff. Shows up in the next morning. Didn't sleep, clearly, uh, for his GMA interview, either on the end of a bender or still in one. You know, drunk. And it was so obvious he was drunk, and I thought it was great. Now, here we are. What, are we a good month removed from the national championship? And now he's drunk in Texas, where he's supposed to be, I think, training for the yeah. NFL draft. So, and knocking yeah. on random doors. And again, there's no, this is all alleged, you know, we don't know if it was him, but I, I party here, man. Yeah. The story I read, I don't know the, you know, the validity of it yet was that he had turned down an invite to the senior bowl because he wanted to go focus on his training in Dallas. And that's where he was at, obviously presumably training. And, and obviously this incident happens. I mean, it's a kid, Mike, he's having, a, I mean, oh, granted he's like 27, but and he's still a younger person, right? As far as the story is, he wasn't behind the wheel of a car, right? He didn't hurt anybody. It seems like a little bit of, hey, had a little bit too much. But you got to wonder, I mean, there's already some knocks against him anyway. He's not the biggest kid in the world, not the tallest, not the fastest, not the strongest. So he already had probably some odds stacked against him. Now you add in some of this, you know, hey, what's going on with your personal life? That's got to make it even tougher for him to potentially get to the next level and and get a look from an NFL team, no? Yeah, I saw somewhere where he's projected as a potential third-round pick. Um you know, again, he's 20, I think he's 25. Um, you know, that works against him. Um, 
you know, he's not big. That works against him. He doesn't have a great arm. That works against him. You know, all these things, you know, prior to winning that two national championships, he's an undrafted free agent. And we see, like, you know, a guy like Jake Fromm, who was at Georgia, end up sliding, I believe, to the seventh round or and who has better skills when it comes to a little bit bigger, a little bit thicker, bigger arm and all that stuff. And Fromm didn't have anything that jumped off the table. So it will hurt him for sure. Uh, and again, you know, it sounds like mischief, but I, if I were those people, you know, he's knocking on random doors drunk in the middle of the night. I'd be pretty pissed. I mean, I know he yeah. didn't get in a car and I know he didn't, you know, uh, threaten any lives or anything like that, but, but I'd be pretty pissed. It's pretty immature. If I'm a scout, first of all, I would never touch him. I don't think he's big enough or good enough to make a difference. Maybe he's a, um, who's the dude, Trace McSorley type, you know, a sort of a career backup that may bounce around. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, I'll find a, a Trace McSorley type, you know, type who's not drunk after every, you know, national championship. Well, you mentioned national championship, and if you've lived under a rock, you you may not have known that Georgia won another one this year. I'm like, that's two in a row, obviously. And uh, whenever you win two, the next question is, can you win three? So obviously the season has already ended, but you know, people like yourself, this is what we do. We talk football, and people are already asking, can Georgia win again? Can they do their three-peat? Obviously, they're going to lose Stetson Bennett. Um, Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator, is interviewing, I guess, maybe with Tampa Bay. So does he want to maybe make a jump, make a move, Mike? So just like last year, there will be some pieces moving around as it is every year with every team. But as Mike Farrell sits here on Sunday, January 29th, 2023 from his vehicle in his luxurious apartment complex, does Mike Farrell think that Georgia is the clubhouse favorite to win a third national championship in 23? You do the clubhouse. Oh, thank, That's you, thank you. Thank you. Luxurious. You know, I don't, I'm homeless. I'm might as well be homeless people <laughs> in my freaking car doing this garbage. Yeah, I think they're the favorite. I think they're the odds-on favorite. Um, you know, you look at what they lost last year, um, you know, much of the defense, uh, a whole lot of talent, and they just uh, reloaded. The defense was stellar again, not to the same level, but still stellar. You know, obviously, it, it comes down to leadership for me. You know, I think Kirby was chasing highly ranked recruiting classes, and it got him close. And then he realized, okay, I need highly, you know, ranked recruiting classes, but I also need – I need leadership, I need culture, I need all that stuff. And and so when you get a guy like Lad McConkey coming back, you get a guy like Brock Bowers in his third year is going to come back as a leader. You know, you get a, a very talented offensive line uh, that they're going to replenish. Uh, you know, running backs, you, you go to the portal, you know, Ra-Ra Thomas got in trouble and it doesn't look like he's going to be there. But, um, you know, you, you can replenish your wide receiver core through the portal. You can, um, you know, replenish your defense if you want to. Uh, you know, picking and choosing off of other people's rosters nowadays. I think they're the favorite. Odds on, I mean, I can't think of anybody that could defeat them. Uh, and my closest would be Michigan and then Alabama. But I think Michigan doesn't have any question marks roster-wise. The question mark is why the hell didn't they throttle TCU? We mm. saw the weaknesses exposed so easily by Georgia, like so easily embarrassingly easily and then the week before we saw a michigan team that's built the same way with a mm-hmm. power running attack and you know yeah. they're, they're trying to overpower a smaller tcu team and they couldn't do it and that makes you wonder is harbaugh ready to take them over the top you know with with game plans and that's the one knock because their roster i think is probably the best one returning to college football Let's stay on Georgia for a second. If Todd Munkin decides to move on, how big a loss is that for Georgia? It's a, it's a big loss, but it's something they can recover from. Um, you know, there's a lot of talented play callers out there. Um, you know, obviously you never want to lose the guy who, you know, put together an offense that, that you know, picked apart TCU and, and obviously went head-to-head with Ohio State. Um, but – you know, if we're honest about this, Georgia won the last two national championships because of defense. You know, they end up losing Dan Lanning. They replace him, you know, with Schumann and, and Muschamp, and they're fine. Um, I think they'd find a, a good replacement. If these, if he stays, and everything I'm hearing is he's not going to stay, that he's going to go off to the NFL. And I think there's a lot of play in that sure. because of NIL, because of the portal, because of the garbage that is, you know, the things you have to deal with in college football. I think that's part of the reason. But they'll find a great play caller he'll have the weapons and they'll be fine bigger loss losing stetson bennett or losing todd munkin 
I, I think that's invented. Um, I just said I wouldn't draft him, but I think some of the things that he was able to do in that offense, if you look at the guys, you know, back in Vandegrift that are the, the backups and the guys that are potentially going to step in here, they're more limited in what they can do outside the pocket and extend the play and do all the things that Stetson Bennett did in that offense. So you keep Todd Monken, he's going to have to sort of revamp the offense a little bit, not much. I mean, there wasn't a lot of designed plays, um, but it gave him the opportunity, you know, especially in the red zone to, you know, design uh, running plays for Stetson Bennett. And I don't think you're going to be able to do that with these quarterbacks, but the leadership, the, 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 I guess chip on his shoulder. That is Stetson Bennett. I would, I, I think it's harder to replace. Uh, you mentioned teams that you think could give Georgia some, um, maybe a run for that national championship. You mentioned Michigan and Michigan has their head coach still question mark. Maybe because uh, Jimmy Harbaugh said he wasn't going to the NFL, but then there's reports now that he met with Denver again last week, just to, they were just checking in and obviously nothing materialized, but Harbaugh and the Michigan president came out and said, Jim's our guy. I love it here. We're going to, you know, maize and blue. Here we go. But then Denver comes rolling in town. We have conversation. So second year in a row, Mike, obviously we got the head coach going out for inter- interviews this time around. He pulls his name out, but there's still his name around there. Is Harbaugh staying in Michigan? Is this a good thing? What the hell's going on here? Yeah, I think he's staying. I mean, I, I was surprised as you were to see that, you know, and I think it's, it's part of the process, but it's an odd part of the process when somebody pulls their name from the job. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, if I interview for a job and, and it comes down to like they're interviewing other people and they're trying to make, and then I say, you know what, I don't want that job. I'm going to stay where I am for them to come to me and want to interview me. I would do it in a, in a private business world, but in a public world where you know your your loyalty to michigan's been questioned over and over again you flirt with the nfl every year it could hurt recruiting it could hurt your current roster it could lead to a lot of questions internally i i wouldn't do it i would say to denver no no we're not talking anymore and and he did so it's puzzling but i think he's staying i, I think this was a power play by jim harbaugh against ward manuel who you know gave him a haircut on that salary a few years ago um i think he you know harbaugh is very, very egotistical, and, and that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, if you're a great quarterback and a great coach, you're going to be that way. I think he's hard-headed. I think he's stubborn. I think he wanted this to play out the way he wanted to play out. And I think they're going to still be punished a little bit, but I think he's going to sign that long-term extension. Now, that's the other part, too. You know, you see Josh Heupel get his big contract, and you see mm-hmm. you know other guys getting locked up who have been not rumored. I mean, Heupel was never rumored to leave, but – He's so attractive, you know, not only to the college football, but to the NFL. You got to shore and lock him up, period. Uh, Harbaugh, apparently, to my you know, knowledge, has an ex- signed an extension. So I still think he's staying. But Jim Harbaugh is odd. He, he climbs trees. You know, he, he shows no He's just an eccentric dude, you know, sleeps over at recruits' house. You just never know with him until – you know, and then, you know, part of the negotiation here is that he wants his buyout reduced, you know, and to me, if I was going to sign the guy, listen, I know he's got you up against the wall. I know he's Jim Harbaugh. I know he's brought you to the playoff twice. He's been Ohio State twice. I know you don't want to lose him and start over. Um, but to me, part of this negotiation, if I'm the president of the university is like, okay, well, I'm not doing this anymore. You said last year you wouldn't do it and you did it again. Not doing this anymore, you know. There is a clause in this contract that you have to sign, Jim Harbaugh, that says you're losing X millions of dollars, you know, per NFL interview. Not speculation, Mm -hmm. but if you actually interview with an NFL team, and we all know whether that happens or not, there's just a billion ways to prove it, that you're going to get ding, big time money. Or, you know, I'm not going to reduce your buyout, you know, because this is the way things work and you keep doing this. But until he signs that contract, he's not back, but I think he is, and I think this team is ready. I mean, the offensive line is loaded. They're, they did a great job in the portal on offense and defensive line. Uh, they've got the two running backs back. Uh, they've got the quarterback back. The defense is still, you know, very, very solid, didn't lose a ton. You're not looking at any guys on this roster at all that are like first, second-round guys. Uh, there's a ton of talent coming back here, and, and they have to be the biggest threat, I think, um, over Ohio State. Uh, and even over Alabama. 
All right, let's get to NIL stuff, recruiting like this, obviously where you you made your bones uh, in this business. And I know you stay as plugged into this stuff as anybody. Uh, and I want to spend some time talking Jaden Rashada because obviously that's the biggest name out there for, for those who may not be aware for whatever reason. Uh, Jaden Rashada was a one-time Miami commit, flipped to Florida. Uh, a kid out of Pittsburgh, California said that he was always dreaming of playing in the SEC. Uh, we then learned from the Orlando Sentinel through their reporting that allegedly – uh, Rashada signed a contract uh, NIL deal, $13 million, I guess, spread over the four-year lifetime of potentially his time in Gainesville. According to the Orlando Sutton report, that contract got voided or canceled out sometime in November. Rashada still somehow signed his letter of intent with Florida, was supposed to enroll in school, never showed up, has asked for his release from his letter of intent. Florida granted said uh, release, I guess, from the letter of intent. And now Jaden Rashada is still out there, Mike. So a lot to unpack here. But I know you've been one talking a lot about this $13 million number and that value that people are saying Rashad had. Plus, I think there was a signing bonus that he was getting on top of that. What do you what do you make of the $13 million number? How true is that number? Is there any validity? Where does that come from? So the number comes from the um, Gators Collective, uh, which is very in intriguing to me. This is their NIL group um, that, you know, is not allowed to work hand in hand with the coaching staff and with the administration, but has to work hand in hand with them because they're not going to throw big money at a guy that Billy Napier doesn't want or a guy that doesn't fit in the roster or a guy that doesn't isn't in need on their depth chart. So we all know that's a violation, but everybody does it. You have to communicate with the collectors as to who you want to go after, who you want to really target for NIL money, blah, blah, blah. Essentially it's buying recruits. We all know that's the case. But what was surprising to me when I heard that, first of all, the original number, Nico Iamblaleva from Tennessee's number was $8 million. And I called everybody I could find to see if that was a legit number. And it was a BS number. Okay, now this is over the four years. A lot of these kids, they're going to be three and outs, and, and there's contingencies in these contracts that say if you are a three and out, obviously you don't get that extra money. But that would be roughly $2 million a year. Um, that, I would told would be yes. Now that I dig into it a little bit more, I, I think that number is closer to $6 million, which is a bigger number than I thought it would ever be. Because what happened here is with, with Miami, the number was $8 million. That was reported. And again, all this information is being fed by Rashada's agent to journalists who just report it. And I will never do that because I don't want, I don't believe agents. I, I like agents. I think they're great. I think it's a great job. I think they're, you know, important people, but they're also going to lie and, and sort of, you know, do whatever they can for their client. So then that was $8 million. So then it goes from $8 million to, to $13 million. And I was like, this can't be. I, I talked to everybody. I could, you know, do you think this number is feasible? Is there any chance of this number? Was this a number that was agreed upon? Everybody told me no. And then I talked to somebody who's a source uh, close to the Gators Collective. And that was the ask number. So the ask number from Rashada and his agent, his father and his team was $13 million. I don't believe there was ever any deal that was agreed upon in that range. I think there might have been a similar deal to Nico which in the six to $8 million, which is still overpaying for a high school kid who's never thrown a college pass. I think the ask went up for some reason, $5 million, $6 million um, at the end here. And, and I think that's where we got. So my, my information tells me that Florida planned to pay this kid excessively too much. Um, but when he came back with 13 million, it was beyond excessive. It was beyond anything that they could even think about doing or wanting to do, and they were the ones who said no. Then the expectation was that the Rashada group would sort of back down and say, okay, let's go back to our original deal. And I don't think that happened. So I think it was a game of chicken, and Florida walked away. Um, and, and, and now Rashada is a free agent. So why sign the letter of intent then? So why, why did he sign with Florida if all this stuff was still up in flux? Well, you cannot sign an NIL agreement before you sign a letter of intent. So this is a little bit of the confusion. And Cormani McLean, we're going to talk about in a second, same sort of thing. And, and it came down to, in the McLean situation, here's the letter of intent, sign it. This is what we have on paper, an agreement that's not signed. And then in the McLean situation and in the Rashada, Rashada situation, the number that was agreed upon was not enough. So a hard line was taken in the Cormani McLean situation. We're not going to sign. That's why he didn't sign in the early signing period. That's why he's going to sign this week in the late signing period. And he's not going to Miami because that number was uh, jumped by the players. Side. 
So I have no idea why Rashada would sign a letter of intent and then jump the number. Unless Florida said, hey, sign it, we'll take care of you. You know, even knowing that this $13 million was the ask or even knowing that, that the price was going to be exponentially higher and, and the kid just signed. Um, and then when it came down to time to enroll, he said, no, you guys agreed to this, that and the other. So you don't know who to believe. You'll hear from one side. It's them. You know, they're pointing fingers at the other side and, and the other side will do the same thing. You got to land somewhere in the middle here. I think he made a mistake signing the letter of intent. I think Florida did a good job letting him out of the letter of intent. Um, yeah. I think Billy Napier and the Gator Collective were smart not going down this road and overextending themselves for one player. Because when you do that, you know, it becomes one of those situations where the next kid through the door is going to want more than that, at quarterback, um, you know, and then what do you do? They got DJ Lagway, who's a 2024 kid, who's, to me, better and higher ranked than Rashada. He's going to see this, and he's going to be like, well, I want $14 million. And then on and right. on it goes. So that's, I think, what's happened. So where, obviously, the, the signing window is still open. Where do you think Rashada ends up? Well, what I've heard is he visited Arizona State. That's where his dad went to school. He had a great mm -hmm. relationship with Kenny Dillingham while Dillingham was at Oregon. Um, you know, and, and they were in it for him until Oregon got um, Dante Moore, who turned out to flip for NIL reasons to UCLA as well, which is a whole different story. Uh, but but they're not going to NIL him like crazy at Arizona State. That's not the culture that Dillingham wants to start. Uh, they don't have the NIL collective that some of these other big schools do, and he doesn't want to go in on NIL versus culture, and that's kind of the decision. You know, last year A&M went on NIL rather than culture. You know, half mm -hmm. of those kids are transferring out. Um, so Arizona State is in it, but not really. It, it, this comes down to Cal was interested in him. Uh, Washington was interested in him. Utah was interested in him. I think he's going to end up at TCU. From what I hear, this is the weekend he was supposed to visit TCU. I don't know if confirmation whether he visited or not as we tape this. He took a, apparently a secret visit, which is the big thing going on to Colorado. But I think TCU will probably be the place. I think he'll get a nice NIL deal, nothing close to $13 million. And I think he'll probably be the next quarterback at TCU. Unless Dion in Colorado wow him. But I can't imagine them wowing Jaden Rashada with Dion's son being yeah. the, you know, incumbent quarterback. Like, how does that work? So I think it's TCU. Who comes out looking worse in this deal, Mike? So obviously the two principals right now with Rashada are Rashada and his camp and Florida and their collective. In your mind, who comes out looking worse on this deal? Who's got egg on their face? Rashada does, I think, because people are going to say, you know, oh, you know, and, and there's all these memes and stuff, you know, like they can't cash the check, right? Florida agreed to $13 million and they went to their bank account and they found they have $2 and all this fun stuff. of like, they promised them this, they couldn't pay it, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, let's even say there was some sort of $13 million verbal agreement or something close to where I think is like, I'll sign, but, you know, I'm going to want a little bit more. And maybe that's the signing bonus you talked about. But I think Florida backing away from this is the smart play. Now, again, it's not going to help Billy Napier. The fans don't care. They don't care yeah. about $13 million. They don't care. They just want a highly rated quarterback recruit that they stole from Miami to be on their roster. So they're going to blame Napier. They're going to blame the collective. The collective has already looked weak. Yeah. You know, the Carmani McLean situation made them look weak. Um, so they're going to get hit hard. Rashada, on the other hand, now I've talked to some NFL scouts who already have a red flag on him. He just has that. One red flag hasn't even thrown a college pass because of this high ask. And now he is considered the face of NIL and what's wrong with it. And then he's just grabbing money. And so in this situation where he's, you know, thought of just grabbing money, you know, my thinking was that he really needed to land someplace where it wasn't about NAL. It was about his opportunity uh, to rehab his image and just get as far away from this million dollar, you know, um, NIL grab as possible. I don't think that's going to be the case. And I think he's got a lot to prove to everybody. Let's say he goes to TCU and gets a, I don't know, $1 million a year valuation for four years. He's going to have to play and he's going to play really well to do it. And if he transfers out, he's going to be deemed as another guy who didn't live up to this, that, and the other, or he quits on his team. Like, he's got so many red flags against him from a collegiate you know, uh, aspect right now and the NFL. I think he and his party have handled this improperly. 
All right. Well, the name you've said a few different times now, Kermani McLean. Again, if you haven't been following along, uh, committed to Miami, did not sign on early signing day, uh, was very coy, at least publicly, about his intentions. Uh, then he takes a trip to Colorado, and at which point he announces he will then become a Buffalo joining Deion Sanders um, at Colorado. Mike, so how did this happen? How did Kormani go from I'm taking pictures with Mario's loafers on one day to I'm doing snow angels in Colorado the next day and I'm going, I'm going there? How, how did we get from there to there? I think a lot of um, deception and lies again. I mean, when he chose Miami over Florida, um, I had a lot of people in my ear saying this wasn't about name image like this. This wasn't a money grab. And everybody expected to go to Florida because he's a Lakeland kid. You know, that's where he, he grew up dreaming of playing for the Gators. They have a good connection to Lakeland. But then I was told over and over again, this isn't a kid looking for money. This isn't a family looking for money. You know, he, he loves Demarcus Van Dyke, who's, a, you know, a defensive analyst for Miami, not a position coach, but, you know, works with the secondary as an analyst. Uh, he, he was worried that Lakeland kids have gone on to Florida and haven't had the best time. You know, he's talked to a lot of people. Uh, he likes Miami. You know, obviously at the time, Ed Reed was, you know, a uh, defensive backs coach there. Uh, you know, Mario Cristobal's a great recruiter. All these reasons why he chose Miami for the pure reasons, and he was going to get his NIL no matter where he went. Then I heard that the asking price went up. Then I heard once the asking price was accepted, then he wanted Van Dyke as a full-time field position coach. So what happens here is, and it's not just him. I'm not blaming the kids. I'm not blaming Rashada. By all Everybody I talked to said Rashad is a great kid. You know, they don't have the same things to say about the people around him and representing him. Everybody I talked to said Cormani McLean's a real quiet, great kid. You know, again, this is adults leading this, not the kids. And so now, you know, it becomes a situation for Miami. It's like, well, this kid's going to pick coaches now. You know, what if we have a bad year and he wants to get the defensive coordinator fired? Like, how far does this go when you have to just cut bait and stop? Now, they didn't. They went to Lakeland to recruit him, to continue to recruit him when the dead period ended. And lo and behold, he wasn't there. And they were shocked. And he was up on a visit in Colorado. And he was trying to keep it all quiet because he put on his Instagram story. He <laughs> was in Tampa, you know, yeah. He was in Tampa. And then yeah. there's pictures of him up in Colorado with Dion. And it's just this whole game that I'm not really sure why kids play or why they're doing it. I don't know if it's Dion driven. I don't know if it's the kids. But whatever. He was up there. We all knew once he visited there, that's where he was going to commit. I'm sure he's getting... You know, NIL money, I'm sure he's going to be taken care of. I'm also sure he's going to transfer. I mean, just I'm sure of it. I mean, I don't know the kid. I don't know his situation. I just know the, the, the situation surrounding it is this is a kid from Tampa who's going away from his family mm-hmm. to the cold weather in Colorado where they're mm-hmm. not going to be very good. I'm sorry. I mean, 1-11 isn't going to turn into 11-1. and one. Um, He's going to coach, you know, be coached by Dion, which is amazing. You know, they've got a pretty good staff up there. Uh, he'll be taken care of, but you know, in in the cold of winter, in next December, you know, after a five and seven season, and it's dark at four thirty, and he's a long way from home. I think that's where he's going to be. Like the portal looks pretty good to me. So, you know, I, I again, I think dodged bullets are important in this class. I think Florida dodged a bullet. I think mm-hmm. they did. Uh, I think Miami dodged a bullet. You know, I think Georgia and Alabama dodged a bullet with Arch Manning. Not that Arch Manning's a bad kid and not that his family's bad at all. They're great. They're the, the first family of, of football. But they they don't need, you know, the first pass that Galen Milroe throws, you know, that's a bad one or an interception or the first pass Brock Vandegrift throws that's a pick for fans to be chanting Arch, Arch, Arch. Those programs don't need that. Texas needs it. They need that recruiting boost. They need that cachet. They need that Quinn Ewers on to Manning. But these programs, honestly, they don't need this headache. Now, I think Billy Napier is in trouble. And I said this when he was hired because I don't think they're going to give Sunbelt Billy more than two years. Hmm. You know, and, and you you lose those games you lost down the stretch and get drilled by Oregon State and you have a losing season your first year. You, you don't get Rashada. You're going into this year with a really horrible quarterback situation. Graham Mertz is your guy. That's scary. Um, I think Mario Cristobal next season is going to struggle as well. I know he's trying to change things there as far as culture is concerned. Um, I know he, he purged a lot of players off of the roster. Um, I know this is a and, rebuild. And staff. And staff. Josh Gaddis gone as offensive coordinator. Just fired too, which is an odd timing. You know, you thought that would be closer to the end of the season. But, you know, I think they're going to struggle too. 
Uh, I think they're going to show some progression. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think Mario Cristobal is going anywhere. I mean, he's got a 10-year guaranteed contract from all I know. That guy's not going anywhere. Um, and, and I think Dion is, you know, uh, maybe two year and done until his son graduates or moves on and, and, and he'll leave too. I don't think these programs, you know, it's as, I don't know. I, I, to me, Miami and Florida, they don't need this headache. They don't need this locker room disruption for first year head coaches, whereas Dion thrives on this stuff. So maybe Rashada should go to Colorado. Maybe Cormani will sign with Colorado this week. Maybe that's the perfect place for him. And maybe that's the chaos that Dion doesn't mind because he's got his eyes on bigger things anyways. We all know Dion's not at Colorado for the next 10 years. Um, to me, these kids are making poor choices uh, based on money. But listen, if I was a kid and I was being offered millions and millions of dollars, I would let my agent handle it and I would try to get as much money as possible because I could break my leg tomorrow or I could yeah. throw out my, you know, my, my rotator cuff. I might be done and I may never see that money like this again in my life. So I get it on both sides. Um, but I think the winners here are Miami and Florida. How would you do this, Mike? If you, if someone, if you were Mike Farrell, sports agent, you know, advisor to, you know, high school kids who are coming out, what strategy would you put in place? Cause I've heard you say the Rashada camp didn't handle this correctly. Right. Heard you say a little bit about, about Carmani's camp, maybe not handling it correctly. Adults kind of ruining kids. If you were one of these kids called you up and said, Mike, give me some info. What should I do? How would you advise a highly, you know, sought after recruit right now to navigate this entire process? I would, I would try to, and again, it depends on what type of agent you are, but if, if you, the long-term success of your client is in, in play here, you know, if you think Carmani McLean is a potential first round candidate down the road, which he is, I mean, he's the number one corner in the country. If you think Jaden Rashada has NFL potential, which he has that, that potential and those skills, you do the long play. You want money. Yes. But there's a point in time where, you know, you've you've sort of felt in the negotiations with the collective or whoever you're talking with that you've reached a point where you don't push the envelope. And then what you do is you go off to that school. You say, you know, guys, I did my job. You've got yourself a nice little NIL net, nest egg here. But name image likeness occurs when you actually have a name and an image and a likeness in college. Now it's up to you. Go out there, play, be great. Go out there, win the starting quarterback job, be great. And then, you know, have that focus to get the three and out and get onto the NFL where the big money is. That's how I would approach it. I would really, I wouldn't play chicken with coaches and collectives because it, it smirches the name. I, I can tell you also, I, NFL scouts, Kermani McLean, red flag. Just whether it's his fault or not. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean if he turns out to be great and runs a four-three-four? at the combine in three years that he's not going to go in the first 15 picks. No, but what it means is if he has an average college career or if he transfers or turns out to be like a Elias Ricks, who's a great example, who's not a bad kid, by the way. Um, and, and shouldn't be lumped in any of this because he didn't transfer from LSU for NIL to Alabama. But let's say you have that type of career where there's question marks about you and you may be a second or third rounder. You're going to slide. You're just going to slide. Um, you're going to slide further than Elias Ricks would. Elias Ricks is going to be asked the question, why did you leave LSU? Mm-hmm. What happened since your freshman year when you were amazing to, you know, injury-prone sophomore year to this past year was very injury-prone and you didn't get better under Nick Saban? All these questions are going to be asked of him. Uh, but none of them are going to be like, well, you know, is money your focus? You know, did you do this because of this? Did you hold out on LSU in high school, which NIL wasn't available then? Um, did you go to Alabama for more money? Was this a money grab? These are questions these two kids are going to have to answer whether they're great or not. And, and if they're not great, they're going to slide like crazy because the answer is just, everybody's going to know, everybody's going to find out, you you know, not, they're not just going to ask for shot at his camp. You know, what'd you do? They're going to ask people on the other side. They're going to ask coaches at Florida. They're going to ask part of the collective people. They're going to say, what happened with this kid? Um, and it's really so as an agent, I would sort of temper that. I don't want to besmirch the reputation of my client. I want to get as much money for him up front as possible to the point where I got to understand as the agent, I know when to say, thank you very much. That's an acceptable offer. Let's move forward. 
But you said this earlier. Um, you said that the NIL stuff's only going to get worse, Mike. It's not going to get any better anytime soon. What did you mean by that? Give me the foreshadowing of what are we kind of setting, setting ourselves up for? This feels like obviously the first full cycle where this is now taking shape. But you, you think this is going to just get worse or get even messier uh, as time goes on? Yeah, I think we saw some play reduction the first year of NIL, you know, and I can't correlate it directly. I can't say 100 percent, you know, but the guys that were, you know, really sought after in the NIL world the first year, DJ Oangalele, you know, Dr. Mm -hmm. Pepper guy, he didn't have a very good year. You know, Spencer Rattler, number one pick in the NFL draft, you know, lost his job, transferred out. Um the Eric King at Miami wasn't a big NFL prospect, but he was NIL like crazy. He got hurt, but that's just, you know, a, a lot of people who invested in him, you know, didn't get their payback. Quinn Ewers going to Ohio State. A lot of people invested in Quinn Ewers as a Buckeye, you know, for life, lost a lot of money. Um, Sam Howell was supposed to be the number two pick in the NFL draft behind Rattler heading into mm -hmm. his last season. Uh, he regressed greatly. So there's a lot of examples of the first year you know, play kind of fell, you know, and, and the opposite of that is the Bryce Youngs of the world who didn't fall and made their money and he replaced DJ as the Dr. Pepper guy. So there's, there's examples of both, but more, the big names really failed a lot that first year. Now we're going to see more of these Rashada McLean situations than ever. You know, we've mm -hmm. got two examples of it that are making news next year. We're going to have seven of them, maybe mm -hmm. eight of them. And that's just the way it goes. Um, it's going to get worse. Because there is no name image likeness originally was intended to allow college students who are established at their university to make money off of their name image and likeness. CJ Stroud, for example, has two great years, Heisman finalist. If he decides to come back instead of go to the NFL, which he decided to go to the NFL, um, he can make money because he's a established superstar. That's what it was intended for. It's not working out that way. Those guys are going to make their money. But now we're bidding for kids. And when you get bidding for kids and people are going to say, well, this occurred all, you know, for the last, you know, 50 years, don't be naive. No, not to this level, not to open negotiations, you know, not to the level where you can just say, you know, I'll give you this amount of money to come play for my school out in the open. And, and, and there's an open bidding. Um, I know a lot of kids that were being paid in college, you know, sort of like, they went to some schools and they said, well, my ask is this because this SEC school promised me this. And the other school would be like, well, no, we're not going to touch that. We're not going to come close to that. You know, we'll try to help you out and maybe we can come to this. But now it's just a bidding war. And that's mm -hmm. where you're going to get into a situation where a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money. But millionaires and billionaires, they're all competitive. They don't care. They'll throw good money after bad money to their program. But you're also going to see a lot of kids looking for a fresh new start like we see with the A&M class, you know, leaving schools the second things go down. We're eventually going to see uh, holdouts. Mm -hmm. There's going to be kids. Sure. Uh, you know, like the backup quarterback at some school is going to see that this transfer comes in and gets X amount of money. He's like, I'm maybe not holdouts to the point where, you know, the NFL, you know, or, or anything like that with the Lamar Jackson situation, but you know, where they're not going to jump in the portal immediately, but they're also not going to practice. We're not going to be in spring practice. It's just the way it is. Um, and you're going to see a lot of things like that occur where the money imbalance at schools are going to lead to a lot of locker room issues and a lot of uh, – you're going to see fights. Yeah. You're going to see locker room fights. You're going to see, you know, big-time NIL kids get punched right in the face by an offensive lineman who's making nothing. You're also going to see <laughs> – you're going to see play on the field be affected. You're going to see sure. some of these NIL brats who make a ton of money, who are very cocky, all of a sudden, maybe the left tackle trips on a plate. Like that stuff, it's coming. And people, you know, will say, well, that it's never going to happen. Yeah, it's a human emotion. It's just the way it is. I mean, you get emotional, you do stuff. Um, and we're going to see a whole lot of that, more of that on the field, I think, than we've ever seen. 
Yeah, I think it's it's existing players, Mike, that have me concerned, right? Because to your point, you're gonna start counting somebody else's money, right? You know, if you're the if you're the starting right guard and you're you know get a 50k offer, right, and the left guard gets a 100k offer, right, all of a sudden now the right guard's pissed off because the left guard got this offer, right? So now that the right guard's going, well, I'm out of here. I'm gonna go to this school here, right? And I think you're gonna start seeing more of that internally on teams where you talked about Mario and kind of rebuilding a culture. I, I think you're gonna see a lot of the culture keeper, quote unquote, guys on teams who are realizing there, there's value outside of where they're at or people are getting more than them. I think you're going to see a lot of that stuff moving around these days. I think you're going to see a lot of kids who are saying, well, they're paying the left tackle here 100K. They're only paying me 50K here. Why, why should I Why should I not go there? I think you're going to see a lot of, of issues with teams just un, unable to keep continuity together, unless you're one of the top three or four schools, right? Um, but to keep that continuity yeah, together. If you have established culture, okay? If you establish a culture through NIL, then it's not really – it's a bad culture. If you have an established culture, you know, Alabama, Georgia, obviously two great examples here. Um, you can handle those issues somehow, yeah. you know, because, again, you know, if you're if your left guard is upset that your right guard's getting more money for you, well, the backup left guard's probably a four five star anyway. <laughs> sure. So yeah. you're going to be OK. It's the programs that don't have established culture, that don't have an established winning, um, you know, depth chart that are going to be struggling. And this is what's dangerous about NIL. It's like, okay, using Miami as an example, if you build your team based on NIL culture and every coach on Miami will deny that that's the culture that's being built here, but that's the assumption from the outside looking in, you know, billion dollar donor, you know, bidding for kids, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it could fall apart really quickly. You can be successful, but the house of cards could crumble very, very quickly. And I think that's why, you know, these guys like Saban and Dabo and Kirby, you know, in five, ten years, we're not going to have those guys existing anymore. Um, you're going to start moving towards mercenary coaches, you know, not there for the long haul, uh, doing their own thing knowing that culture can't be established and kept. Like, I think, honestly, you know, Dabo has done a great job on two national championships, doesn't really like NIL as a public and saying it doesn't really like the portal. You know, I think when he, when he was winning the national championships before all that stuff occurred, I think he was extremely happy at his job. Now, Dabo's yeah. a aw shucks, happy-go-lucky type of guy. I don't think he's very happy, though, as yeah. the head coach of Clemson right now because of the, the culture of college football itself and what he's being forced to do. Um, that being said, you know, if somebody did knock on his door in the NFL and said, Hey, you want to come here, which they probably, every time somebody does that in the NFL, it's a failure. You know, I don't know why they keep coming to college to get guys. I mean, we've had, obviously Harbaugh was an exception coming from Stanford, but very few success stories there. But I think there's greener pastures for a lot of these coaches that don't want to deal with this. I, I think Saban, you know, being 70 now, if he was 55, yeah. he just doesn't want to deal with this crap. And I think there's going to be a lot of coaches like that. Yeah, I think you can absolutely drive a lot of good coaches out of the sport, right? You, Todd Munkin, you just mentioned at Georgia, a really good coach, probably not going to be, uh, you know, the, a top five head coach in, in the country, but a really solid coach who's like, I'm done with this. Like, let me just go call plays for whoever Tom Brady's replacement is going to be and, and and make a good paycheck and go home and worry about that. But um, speaking of NFL, I've got two other things I want to get your thoughts on, and then I'll get you out of your car here. Um, what do you make of Brock Purdy? Uh, not a kid that was obviously super, you know, you know, super well known in the college football ranks. Had a nice little career at Iowa State. Has come on the the scene for the 49ers. Obviously, we'll start the championship game on Sunday. What do you make of Brock Purdy? Are you surprised at all to see him playing at a pretty decent level this deep into the playoffs for the for the 49ers? I'm surprised at all four of these quarterbacks. Um, you know, and I'm trying to figure out which one is the most surprising to me. You know, Brock Purdy was a three-star kid out of Arizona and landed at Iowa State. You know, had an offer from Alabama, but it wasn't a committable offer. It was a come-to-camp offer, and we'll see. And, yeah. and and it's the infamous Nick Saban quotes now is that you're not very big. You're not very – like, he didn't have a committable offer at Alabama. So, Iowa State were, was where he was landed. Um, you know, three-star kid, Jalen Hurts was a four-star kid, recruited at Alabama, had to transfer. You know, Joe Burrow, three-star kid out of Ohio, had to transfer from Ohio State. Um Patrick Mahomes, three-star kid, you know, Texas Tech was probably his biggest and best offer, blah, blah, blah. They're all kind of surprises to me. Uh, Purdy being Mr. Irrelevant makes it a bigger story because there's so many teams that passed on him and didn't have any interest in him. 
Um, I honestly think that in hindsight, that was that was Matt Campbell's program, the offense, the way they, you know, want to win ten to seven football games and make it really ugly and and, and just not open up that offense. And and he didn't have any weapons, but yeah, he's a stunner. Um, I can't say I saw any of these coming. I mean, even Jalen Hurts is the highest sure. ranked out of all these guys. I did not think he would have the field vision. Uh, progression ability, downfield accuracy to be uh, a great quarterback. He, he always struck me in Alabama as a, you know, first read, second read and run guy. Uh, Oklahoma a little bit better, but Oklahoma doesn't require, uh, at least under Lincoln Riley, doesn't require a ton of reads. Um, so for him to get to the NFL, and, and he was that guy, like a tuck and run guy at first, and he's developed into a really amazing passer. He's probably the one that surprises me the most, even though he was the highest ranked. Um, but yeah, Purdy's a great story. I mean, you know, I don't know much about him. He's a little cocky, which yeah. you have to be. Um, yeah. You know, Joe Burrow's cocky. You have to be. Mahomes, nicest kid in the world. And Jalen Hearns, nicest kid in the world. Different personalities having success there. But I think the common denominator of it all is these kids all had a chip on their shoulder from one, for one reason to another. And that drive to be the best sometimes is really undervalued when you look at kids that are overlooked, whether it's on high school or college or NFL draft level. All right, let's project for a second. 49ers, obviously, pretty playing well. You have Trey Lance, who they picked really, really high. We haven't seen a ton of on the field. Pretty got them to a championship game. Let's say they win today, get to the Super Bowl, win or lose that. What, is it, what do the Niners do next year? You know Trey Lance pretty well. You know Brock Purdy pretty well. What do they do with that quarterback spot next year? Garoppolo's gone, you know. Yeah, that's so. So it comes down to Trey Lance. It comes down to Trey Lance and Brock Purdy. I mean, Brock Purdy, I think, already has locked up the the job next year. And and you got to remember, Trey Lance was what the number three pick in the NFL draft, like pretty high. Um, You know, got injured, didn't really show a lot of development. But I, I think they're honestly ready to move on from him. They've found their guy. He's a gem. The team likes him. They play hard around him. Shanahan can work around any quarterback. Um, now, that doesn't mean they're going to jettison Trey Lance because he's got, you know, guaranteed money as, as a rookie. He's in, the, I think, the second year of his four-year deal. You know, there's cap hits and all that stuff. But, yeah, I think Brock Purdy's the guy. I don't think there's any decision here. Um, unless he goes out, and, again, this is before the game, unless he goes out, you know, in the game today and just, absolutely horrendous yeah um you know i mean the eagles tear him apart he throws three picks two of them for touchdown whatever then you gotta sit back and sort of you know make it an open competition maybe it was too much for him maybe the the level of competition just got too high and maybe he's not our guy but if he he plays okay uh and they lose or if he plays well enough for them to win he's the guy All right, last story for you. I saw this come across last week, and as soon as I saw this headline, Mike, I immediately thought of you because I feel like this is just right up your alley. So I'm just going to give you the headline, and you can just take it wherever you want. LSU overpaid Brian Kelly a million dollars. Go go with that wherever wherever you choose. I saw that too, and I was like, that's just hilarious. That's just so funny to me. It's like, I don't know. I don't know the inner workings of the finances at a college, right? I've dealt with a lot of you know, athletic departments and, and things like that. But, I mean, it, it comes down to, honestly, you know, accountants, payroll, and ADP, right, just like every other company. So would think. How, how the hell does anybody make that <laughs> mistake? And how do you even walk that back? Like, yeah, somebody's fired. I, I don't think it speaks any ill towards LSU. I mean, mistakes are made. Um my, I have so many questions, though. I just have so many yeah. questions. I want, like, how did this occur? You know, yeah. what happened? What was the reaction when this did occur? And, and, you know, how do we talk to Brian Kelly? Did Brian Kelly know? I know I've been over the years overpaid in a bonus before a couple times, and I didn't say a freaking word. I didn't say sure. one word. I just sat there and held my breath. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, they come back and try to walk it back. I'm like, you did? Really? I didn't know I got overpaid by $20,000. That's odd. And then it was a very uncomfortable situation. And, and, but did Brian Kelly know? I mean, so how, the, the how, story how, how is, does he track his finances? You know, the story is it's duplicate payments. So one was paid directly to the coach, which I assume is like the direct deposit hits and there's your money. And one was paid to his LLC. 
So essentially, uh, exact payments, one went to him directly, one went to the LLC. So in theory, if he's not tracking his LLC, I imagine he's got some sort of business guy doing stuff like that, right? Maybe he doesn't see that account. You definitely see the personal one, I assume, right? And you're like, oh, that's my money for my my coaching duties, right? So perhaps that's the only out I'll give him is I don't know how easily he tracks the LLC, but it's also a million bucks too. Mike, it's not like $20,000. It's a, it's a million dollars in the account. Someone, someone somewhere had to be like, Whoa, what's going on with that? His, his contract, I believe is what 90 million guaranteed or something like that. I think 10 year, hundred million dollars. When you get to that level, like if I ever got to that level, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't look for my direct deposit of a million dollars anymore. I wouldn't look to see if my LLC got double paid with a million dollars. I wouldn't check at all. I wouldn't. I would just spend, 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 and just assume, you know, listen, if, if my bank account says 50 million, because obviously you got pretty, pretty well at Notre Dame as well. You know, sure. if my bank account says 50 million, I'm not looking for anything. I don't give a crap. You give me a, a, a direct deposit notification of a million dollars, I'm deleting it, you know, and, and I'm, I'm looking up like, you know, some sort of Yellowstone you know, videos on Facebook or something. I'm just like scrolling past it. Like ding, ding, a million dollars delete. You know, I just, I'm doing what I'm sure. doing and I'm, I'm just going to not pay attention to it whatsoever. So I don't think he noticed, you know, but let's say his LLC keeps, you know, tight or his financial advisors, somebody might've noticed and they come to him. What does he do? Does he go, Hey, you guys overpaid me a million dollars or whatever. I, I wouldn't say a word. I would just sort of let it happen, but it's fascinating to me. Um, a million is a lot of money to overpay somebody, but I think somebody got fired. Um, yes. And I think, you know, it was probably a little bit of an awkward conversation. Um, you know, not similar to the Ed Orgeron one where it's like, here's your buyout, Ed. It's like, okay, that's the door. Don't let it hit me on the ass. I'm out of here. Brian Kelly probably say, hey, Brian, we overpaid you a million dollars. And he probably was like laughing and said, well, okay, take it back. I mean, you guys already paid me a hundred million. What's going on with the website, MikeFarrellSports.com? Obviously, a lot of good stuff going on uh, so, going on there. Recruiting off season. Give me a give me a lowdown. What can I what can I find there? We're doing pretty good. Um, you know, we've had our peaks. You know, where something will hit, and I love these algorithms, as you know, in the YouTube algorithm, it's just like something hits, and you don't know why. You know, I've had some things hit on Facebook, especially on NIL, that have hit, and we've had our huge days, and then we, you know, revert back to our average and standard days. You know, what we're putting out on a daily basis. Um, a, a lot of recruiting stuff, a lot of portal stuff, you know, the portal feed at feral portals up to 10 and a half thousand, you know, from zero, uh, when we launched it, I think in June. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of information you can get on the site when it comes to recruiting rumors. We don't do very many interviews with kids that said, I love this visit. I love that visit. You know, these are my top 10, blah, blah, blah. We'll recap the news for you every night. Um, and we'll give you rumors and what we're hearing and what we expect. So, you know, if there is some sort of top five out there, we're not going to write about it and say that's his top five. That We think he's going to land here, and this is why. And we could change our mind, of course, on that. Nicole Sarber is a good example. You know, he's a kid that took, I think, a secret visit to, uh, to Colorado. But, you know, he's down to South Carolina and Oregon. He's visiting Oregon this weekend. He's going to make his decision next Wednesday. We'll write like, why, and tell you Why is everybody visiting go. Colorado in secret. What what is going on there? I think it's um I think it's a Dion thing. Is it I, Dion? I, it's it's got to be, and I don't know why. I think Dion would want it publicized. You know, I, I just think it's like because Harbor did the same thing. Like he was he did he put something up where he was in Boulder on his Instagram. You know, and then somebody contacted his father, and his father said he's as far away from Boulder as possible. So why put up that you're in Boulder? And so are you in Boulder? Or are you not in Boulder? Like I don't know. I think it's got to be. It can't be kid driven. It's got to be Dion driven. And Dion's an eccentric guy, and maybe that's what he wants. But you know, but what we're going to do is we're going to tell you where we think they're going to land. I mean, right now, I I, I got to get information out of his Oregon visit and see what's what. You know, South Carolina led heading into that visit. He'd never been to Oregon. You know, where's he going to land? And we'll hit you with those type of recruiting articles. We got NFL draft ramping up now. You know, we we got the off season starting. Once spring football starts, we'll do a lot of content on you know the spring football battles to watch. These are the top 50 running backs heading into spring football and college football. Recruiting rankings are coming up, which is a big pain in the ass to me. I've done them for 25 years. I find doing them myself very annoying. I don't know why. I always dreamed of doing them myself. I'm like, I don't want to listen to these idiots on a conference call. 
I don't want anybody else's opinion. Why don't I just make the rankings? And now that I can do it myself, this is the first year I'm doing it myself, I find it to be annoying. But mm-hmm. quarterbacks are coming out, you know, this week, and then a couple of days later we'll do running back. So we got that stuff going on. It's just uh, we're trying to provide as much information as possible. Um, it, it's kind of annoying to keep pushing out the same content over and over again, but that's what you have to do because you're going to get that new reader who hasn't seen it the first time and may bookmark the site and may come back. So if you follow my feeds on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, you know, especially Twitter, you're going to be a little annoyed because you're going to see the same articles being pushed out. But that's what we have to do. But where we were April 1st in our launch to where we are now and where we're headed April 1st for our one-year anniversary, um, we're trending way up in, in, a, in a positive direction. Is it more than I expected? No, because my expectations are always sky high. Um, so I'm not going to be that guy who lies to you and said, oh, we're well ahead of schedule. No, we're not. I'm annoyed we're not where we should be in my mind. And my mind is where we should be as big as one of these other recruiting sites. Um, we'll get there, but that drives me on a daily basis. And we put out about 10 pieces of content a day, every day for free. Uh, you have nothing to lose when you go there. You know, you're going to see ads, of course, that's life. But I mean, it's free. You don't have to pay any subscription yet. But right now, just go on the site, click around, find some stuff for free. I don't have a message board yet. I've thought about that. So people can tell me what a jerk I am like they do on Twitter. Uh, that's I don't know yet. You know, I'm on the Sports Illustrated platform. They don't have message boards. So I would have to prop that up myself separately and all this other stuff. There's a lot of things that we're working on, you know, that we, we have in plan. Um and, and I think it's going to get better and better and better. Uh, but the staff I have is, is really incredible. Everybody is just doing it to try to build their own brand, their own name. They're doing it for fun, for love of college football. Uh, that's what I'm doing it for right now. And really, they are amazing because they work so hard. I mean, there could be days where I'm just busy doing stuff like this or, or you know, uh, radio hits or conference calls. And I'll see like, yeah, there's four pieces of content that I didn't even ask anybody to do. And it's edited. It's put up smartly. So everybody on the site is doing a great job, and we're moving in the right direction. Can I expect any expose or investigative pieces on Arch Manning student ID? No, but the, you know the funny joke there is, you know, and I'm I'm not clever enough to come up with these jokes. You know, I wish I was like a clever guy who could do memes or write clever stuff and say funny stuff. You know, he lost it the first time, and it's like Arch Manning showing poor pocket awareness because it fell yes, out of his yeah, pocket. I mean, that's yeah. just that's funny. That's and then the second that's time, it's yeah. the same one. You know, yeah, yeah, he lost his ID twice. You know, every college student has lost their ID probably once. It just happens. I'm not going to knock the kid on it. Um, yeah. I am going to say there's absolutely no way he can ever reach the expectations put on him. There's no way he's the number one recruit in the country. There's no way he's going to, you know. Short of winning a Heisman, being the number one overall pick in the draft and winning multiple Super Bowls, there's no way he could live up to the expectations of that name. So for me to say that he's not as good as he's ranked, is, it's, it's, it sounds like it's the hard thing to do. It's kind of easy. I mean, it's me versus the field. Uh, yeah, Arch, yeah. I'm taking the field. Everybody else taking Arch. I mean, how do you lose that bet? I mean, I did on Mahomes. But it can't happen again, right? It can't be. No, no. That's it. Yeah, one and done. So we're looking for a comedy writer then for MikeForRealSports.com. So if you're a comedy writer, uh, give give Mike a, a look because we he needs some funny pieces there. You mentioned social media. That's M. Farrell Sports, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good jazz. So make sure you follow along there. Subscribe to the show on the Believe Podcast Network. Subscribe to Mike Farrell's YouTube channel as well, where I'm sure content will be dispersed there throughout the off season as well. Mike, any other plugs we need to get in here before we get out of here? No, I think that's it. I mean, we've got the promo plan for high school football players that are under the radar. It's funny because I'm ranking five-star kids, you know, who are potential first-round locks, and I've been doing that all my life. And then we have the promotion plan uh, at Feral Promo, or you could just see it on my feed at Feral Sports on Twitter. You know, we're uh, under-the-radar dudes who just have nothing as far as recruiting interest. Uh, it's There's a fee, of course. Everything in this life is, is it costs money. But we push them out socially. We get coaches to watch their film because everybody follows us on social media. And it's really kind of fun that it's working. You know, I had a quarterback in Texas who was K-Club next backup for two mm-hmm. years. Five-star backup. You know, end up transferring out of high school finally 
uh, and, and played, you know, a couple years on his own, but nobody really knew of him because he got out to a slow start and he just uh, signed with Florida Atlantic and he had nothing, that. Yeah. He had yeah. nothing, you know, Carson Kruvers, his name, he had nothing. Nobody interested. He ended up getting an FCS offer from the promotion. Then he got FBS interest and, and now he's group of five. And it's like, we're seeing a lot of stuff like that um, happen. So that's part of the business as well. It, it's just, it's funny to me because I will go from, you know, breaking down five-star film to breaking down, you know, film of kids who can't even get a profile of the places. And I find that the, it's, it's not crazy. It's, this is why I'm learning now why a two-star kid, you know, like that from Bennett can come out and be successful because it's, it's part of it. Yes. You, you got to fit in the box, you know, Brock Vandergriff, six foot three, 220 pounds. He's a five-star quarterback and he's going to be the next guy at Georgia apparently. Stetson Bennett doesn't fit any box, but it's also who you know, what they know about you, and are you, are you, is it is it easy enough for you to get your information out there? Like if Stetson Bennett came to us, I can't say he would have been more successful because he got a walk-on offer at Georgia. But I can tell you, had Stetson Bennett had that type of promotion, he probably wouldn't have had to walk on at Georgia. He probably would have been a scholarship Power Five kid. And there's kids out there that were taking into the promo plan that I think are better than I expected them to be. I thought it was going to be a lot of kids with no talent, you know, that I'm sitting here, you know, pushing out and, and like, mm, no, nope. actually pretty good. So that's the, the other part of the business. I don't know what else I got the gambling podcast that's done for the season. That's going to be coming back next year. Uh, there's other stuff. I can't remember, but okay. that's, that's everything that's going on. All right, well, Mike's in his car. I'm going to let him go so he can uh, go check his bank account, make sure he got overpaid, because I'm sure Mike's looking for an overpayment right now. So we'll go check the uh, the bank accounts, see if there's an overpayment. Again, thanks for listening in. Make sure you subscribe, follow, like, comment, do all that stuff. Uh, make sure that you blow the show up so that Mike can uh, Mike can continue to give you this great content. And I promise we'll be back sooner than later. So, Mike, get out of your car, buddy. Go inside. Enjoy your day. All right. Thanks, you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.